When it comes to scents, you should pick ones that smell like, well, you. Target gets it, which is why they offer a range of personal care products with fragrances for everyone. Be true to floral you with Dove Peony and Rose Body Wash. Live your fresh life with Degree Ultra Clear Deodorant. Express your decadent side with Love Beauty and Planet Coconut Shampoo. This spring, choose care that brings you joy beyond labels. Pick up new favorites at a Target near you or online at Target.com. Welcome to Keep It, a new podcast from Crooked Media. I'm your host, Ira Madison III. Each week, I'll be joined by friends of mine, writers, comedians, journalists, activists, you name it, to discuss the intersection of pop culture and politics at a time when we're all obsessing over both. Megan Kelly hosting the Today Show, Keep It. HBO's new show about the Confederacy, Keep It. Justin Timberlake, Keep It, Locked Away, on another planet. I am joined by two great friends of mine, the only two people who agreed to be on this show with me. <laughs> um, Shade begins now. Louis <laughs> Fertel, comedian and writer for Hit Fix, Billboard, and Billy on the Street. I'm here for loud gay men, including you, Ira. Thank you, Louis. We also have Kara Brown former senior writer for Jezebel and current staff writer at Freeform's Grownish. Oh, hey, Ira. I feel like we're at brunch right now. It sort of is like we're at brunch because you know I brought Prosecco. Oh. It's our first episode. Oh, man. I'm supposed to be doing dry January, but, you know. It's a dry Prosecco. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very dry Prosecco. <laughs> it's an expensive Prosecco. Oh, it also, Prosecco is just my favorite food. We should just have it every week. <laughs> So we're going to pop it Let's right now it. and Woo. celebrate. Oh, Woo. my masculine friend Ira popping that. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Here we go. We sound like guests at a murder mystery. <laughs> Good thing we're recording this at six in the morning. That's right. No, we're drinking like Desi Arnaz in the morning. Like we have a problem. Desi Arnaz. That is a that <laughs> is a real specific <laughs> reference. You want contemporary references? You come to keep it. That's what I'm bringing you. Now that we've popped the champagne, let's get to the news. Let's get to it. Please. This week were the 75th annual Golden Globes, and they were broadcast Sunday night from the famed Beverly Hilton. It was the usual star-studded event, of course, but. This time, the men and women wore black in protest of sexual harassment and assault within the Hollywood industry. Uh, it was in conjunction with Time's Up, a new initiative that seeks to fight systemic sexual harassment in Hollywood and in blue-collar workplaces nationwide. For those of you who don't know, Time's Up is a legal defense fund backed by $13 million in donations to help less privileged women like janitors, nurses, and workers at farms, factories, restaurants, and hotels protect themselves from sexual misconduct and the fallout from reporting it. So we all knew that this protest was coming, that people were going to be wearing black, but we didn't know exactly how they were going to highlight the Time's Up initiative during the evening. It sort of kicked off, surprisingly, with eight actresses involved in the Time's Up movement bringing activists to the Golden Globes with them as their plus ones instead of bringing their traditional dates. Susan Sarandon brought... 
<laughs> She's always here to help. Sorry. Susan Sarandon, everyone's favorite Hillary supporter, brought Rosa Clemente, an activist and journalist who's president of Know Thyself Productions. Meryl Street brought Aijin Poo, director of the National Domestic Workers Alliance. Michelle Williams brought Tarana Burke, who founded the Me Too movement a decade ago. You know, other activists were brought by Amy Poehler, Shailene Woodley, Laura Dern, and Emma Watson. So it was really a night where the actresses were sort of trying to put other people first instead of themselves. Kind of. Kind of. Um, While still being hot. Come on. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So how did that come across to everyone? You know, red carpet, you're seeing actresses walk down the carpet with activists sort of arm in arm. Well, I think the thing about the Time's Up movement that has always struck me from the moment I heard about it was it seems strange to have a movement that starts in Hollywood and is trying to reach out because famously Hollywood always seems out of touch. Like, is this even possible? But when these people are literally bringing in activists who I wouldn't see on TV at any other time... It was pretty awesome and was also pretty hilarious having watched like Ryan Seacrest interview Laura Dern and then suddenly be up to date on like sexism in farm working. <laughs> so that was really exciting for me. Ryan seemed to sort of have no idea what he was doing during his Not e a strong showing from Ryan. Like he, first of all, he like kept trying to talk to Michelle Williams about her movies and everything. And Michelle's like, I have Tarana Burke right here. Like, let's talk about the Me Too movement. And Ryan Seacrest is like, um, okay. Yeah. I mean, like, shout out to all of the activists who showed up. I think that this demonstration would have benefited from someone who actually knows how to organize protests because people seem to forget that organizing is hard and there's actual work that goes into it. It's a skill. It's a skill. And so the black thing is like, whatever. But had they come and maybe the actresses refused to speak and they're going in for interviews with Ryan Seacrest and it's like, I'm not speaking tonight. I'm just going to let Tarana say what she needs to say. That's a fucking protest. That's like an actual message. And that's something that makes people sort of jolt up and do something. And so they tried. But I think in general, people don't think of organizing as an actual specific skill set and they need to think about that more because it's not that these ladies aren't smart and qualified but like you guys don't really know what you're doing no you know and first of all even with the simple we're all black that got confused people didn't know if it was we're all black or people didn't know if it was where some black there were people wearing you know like black jackets with white shirts there were people wearing red sashes I mean it it applying to the men was asinine because they They were all gonna they always wear black like it and then the men are in tuxedos and then they have a white shirt and you're like oh my god is does that count as wearing black like that idea needed a couple more hours of thought yeah and also the men like basically just wore pins I was like is this a protest from 1987 right act up yes right Also, it was sort of like, if you're really trying to protest the glitz and the glamour, like, you know, show up in a black t-shirt and some right, jeans. Right, right. You know, that would have been awesome. No, I mean, there's a lot of, like, black gossamer. It's like, now we're all just dressed up like Helena Bonham Carter, which <laughs> I don't object to. I'm just saying it's not as strong a protest statement as, you know, a t-shirt with words on it. I maintain that the men should have stayed home. I think the men should have just kept their asses at home, but that would have required them acknowledging that anything was happening that night, which none of them did. Right. So one big thing that happened on Sunday was the fact that none of the men who won awards at the Globes mentioned the Time's Up movement at all. 
nor did they address sexual harassment or assault in Hollywood. Of course they, they didn't. Many of them had on <laughs> Time's Up pins, but it was all of the women who were asked on the red carpet about Time's Up, about Harvey Weinstein, but none of the men were asked any of these questions, which brings us back to the point, is Time's Up just a women's movement? And if we're only asking the women about fixing Hollywood sexual misconduct problem, are we going to get anything done? It's sort of like, remember when people were saying, ask her more than like, ask her about her dress. I'm like, ask him anything. Right. (laughs) I mean, the thing is that people keep forgetting is that this is a men problem. If there are no men, this problem does not exist. And the framing of a lot of just generally when we're talking about, you know, addressing issues, it's like the victims are the ones who have to speak out because no one else will say anything. And so that's the thing, like, time's up. Love it. Love the ladies. It's awesome. But, like, the branding of look at all these women getting together as opposed to, like, hey, let's, like, put the spotlight on these dumb dudes who either keep not keeping their hands to themselves or working with dudes who they know don't keep their hands to themselves. Also, comparing just what, say, the average actress at the Golden Globes did compared to the men is somewhat staggering. I mean, take Laura Dern, who brought an activist with her, then won an award and then gave a speech in which she devoted basically the entire time to the issue, you know, and then like even new actresses like Rachel Brosnahan from The Marvelous Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Maisel, Her speech was excellent. And like, I don't know if anybody was really demanding that she be completely up on the issue or, but she was, you know, and then for men to not acknowledge it at all, it's like, it reminds me of that Toni Morrison interview with Charlie Rose where she gets asked, what do you think about racism? She goes, it doesn't, what do you think? You're, you're, you're the (laughs) one doing it, you know? (laughs) I mean, it speaks to like generally... Fixing these problems requires sacrifice and work that nobody wants to do. It requires you saying, hey, guys, I'm not going to work with that director because I know he's a creep and they don't want to do it. And they don't want to stop making movies with Harvey Weinstein because they win Oscars and they don't want to stop being buddies with people. And they don't want to. And even just in not in Hollywood, like guys don't want to be the buzzkill. That's like, hey, maybe stop making rape jokes, you fucking Neanderthal. None of them want to do that because it's uncomfortable and it requires effort. And you're a buzzkill. And it's just like that's kind of the deal, man. Like we're tired of being buzzkills. Right. Some of the hypocrisy was also called out online. You know, the fact that Justin Timberlake was wearing (laughs) his Time's Up pin, you know, talking about um, here to support my hot, beautiful wife on Twitter, which, okay, that's besides the point. Um, We all know that Jessica Biel nominated for The Sinner is hot and attractive. (laughs) But also, you're working with Woody Allen, like you're still on sort of the award circuit for Wonder Wheel, a movie you just did with him. And Dylan Farrell recently released a statement to BuzzFeed about the fact that she was disappointed in celebrities like Justin Timberlake and Greta Gerwig, who are sort of in the middle of this Time's Up initiative, but have nothing to say about Woody Allen. I was gonna say, it's almost kind of sad that Justin Timberlake isn't getting grilled more because the movie isn't good. You know what I mean? Like nobody's like insisting on talking to him really because it's not that buzzy a movie, even though it's within the award season. So it's almost like it's strange that his wokeness is contingent upon us caring about whatever stupid movie where he plays a goddamn 50s lifeguard. Is Is that what that's? I mean, you I haven't heard. I didn't even know he was in a movie with Woody Allen. My Wonder Wheel screener arrived. Oh, Wonder Wheel. Oh, I have that. Okay, And I promptly threw it away. Yeah, I Imagine have Imagine watching screener. it. I don't wonder about wheels. I'm sorry. It's over. 
<laughs> he also has not apologized to Janet Jackson. So even if you're not in the Woody Allen movie, it's like, buddy, when are you apologizing to Janet? Right, because the Super Bowl is coming up. Yeah. And this is another thing, you know, where you've gotten away with sort of being shitty to women. Right. And here we are again where you're in a Woody Allen film and no one's asking you about it. He gets away with a lot. He gets away with and a lot. And the men get away with a lot. Yeah. I feel like if we want to jump into the show now, the only man who really addressed the situation was Seth Meyers because he had the monologue to give. <laughs> you know, he was opening the show and he's a comedian. So everyone expected him to address sexual harassment in Hollywood. Do we think he did a good job? I liked his monologue. I was like, it was funny. I love, I love a, I love a mean joke. He like, you know, the Harvey Weinstein the Harvey joke Weinstein was brutal. Joke was amazing. Well, I think it's time to address the elephant not in the room. Harvey Weinstein isn't here tonight because, well, I've heard rumors that he's crazy and difficult to work with. But don't worry, he'll be back in 20 years when he becomes the first person ever booed during the in memoriam. It'll sound like that. He also knew it was going to bomb, right? which is why he had that great comeback. Right. But I appreciate that he did it anyway, knowing that no one was going to laugh. Which also, it's like, fuck you guys. You're not going to laugh at this joke about this monster, this actual literal monster. You're above that, really. You're above laughing at that joke, you and your black and your fucking pins. They laughed at Jada Pinkett at the Oscars two years ago when... Chris Rock was oh, right. like making jokes about how she wasn't even invited right. when she was protesting Oscars so white. Right. But we can't laugh at Harvey Weinstein. We can't laugh at Harvey Weinstein. That's a step too far. Yeah, I thought he did a good job. I thought he also, not to give him too much credit, but it's like it was sort of a rough situation he was walking into because it's like he's a white dude and now <laughs> all of this is happening and he has to host the show and he also has to be funny. And I thought like he did a good job and it was also apparent that he had women involved with that. Yeah, I literally almost feel bad for Seth Meyers in the late night realm because he will always be tasteful and I feel like that will hold him back from being really popular, <laughs> you know? That said, I mean like, I would say about 65 to 70% of his jokes really landed. That said, it's like, I'm not demanding him give me a raucous laugh during this particular moment. You know what I mean? Like, he deferred when he had to. And by the way, he is so much better than someone like Ricky Gervais would have been, who, like, you know, stands up there and, like, giggles at all his own jokes like he's the duck hunt dog. (laughs) So he's not, like, self-congratulatory or, you know, demanding we find him super cool. He just, he said a lot of the right things and made the climate of the room feel acknowledged. So I thought that was good. Right. Right. I really appreciated the fact that he sort of, brought that bit from his show, Jokes Seth Can't Tell, Mm -hmm. to the Globes because it, one, enabled him to sort of work the room and involve people like Issa Rae and Hong Chow. um, And Billy Eichner, who I work for. (laughs) (laughs) In all of the jokes. Because we didn't see any of those three during the rest of the show. Mm. We didn't see Mm. Billy Eichner during the rest of the show. Um, Didn't see Issa. Didn't see Issa. Hong, everyone's like, oh, this is sort of her moment. Can I just say, I feel she was wonderful and downsizing and I feel so bad. She deserves an but award. But I feel so bad that that was the movie that right. she had to oh do a good job Because it was an, an abomination. That movie was so bad <laughs> and she was so good and I'm just like I so badly hope that this leads to her getting roles that are worthy of her because she was so good and I'm like girl you deserve so much better than this 
ridiculous movie. She deserves an award for having to put up with right. Matt Damon for the entire duration of filming this movie. But Hollywood will probably reward her by having her play like a sex bot on Westworld. <laughs> <laughs> no, in that movie, I mean, like, it's the most thankless task ever, which is there's a fun concept here, and now we're going to abandon it, and you're going to do all the unfun parts and have to make it hilarious. <laughs> she deserves the Nobel Prize. <laughs> so then there's the actual awards themselves, and some of them were exciting, like Sterling K. Brown winning uh, Best Actor in a TV Drama. I don't watch This Is Us. Milo Ventimiglia follows me on Twitter. So, is that so, how you say oh his name? Yeah. Say it again. So, say it again. Milo Ventimiglia. So I'm never going to remember Sometimes, that. you know, I will tweet about This Is Us because I watched the first six episodes. I know who the characters are. I try and seem informed. Oh I watched God. all of the recaps on YouTube and then I wrote a recap based off they of They have recaps? The, they have like two minute recap videos. That's all I've seen. And I feel like I've seen the show. Right. I mean, I feel like I still know I what's it, going on in the sure. show. Like, Sterling K. Brown is an adopted black son, you know, and there he has two white siblings. I'm like, yeah, we I, can assume how that's going to go. I get that he also deserves the award, although I will always, until he dies, I'm just going to assume any award he gets is retroactive for the People versus OJ. Of course. Because he deserves an award every year of his life for that performance. So congratulations on your Golden Globe Sterling for the People versus OJ. Well, he also became the first black man to win Best Actor in a TV Drama at the Golden Globes. I'm like, this is the in 2018, the 75th Golden Globes. Is that supposed to be fun? I'm I'm super excited, and yet, what? (laughs) It is hard. It's one of those things where you're like, you feel. And didn't Aziz was the first Asian actor to win? I'm gonna guess Best Actor in a Comedy. Yeah, but. It's one of those things where you're like, yay, good, but also like, fuck you. Like, really? Like, wasn't Sidney Poitier in like an episode of Dragnet or something? (laughs) I don't know. I mean, before Isaiah Washington got crazy, he probably deserved one for Grace. (laughs) No, it's like when you hear this, the first Latina cast member on SNL, it's like, this has been going on for 40 years, right? So I don't even know. It feels shitty that we even have to say it. So It's hard because you're happy for him, but then it's just a bunch of bullshit. Yeah. We could talk about some of the snubs, though, mm. because aside from Sterling and Aziz and, you know, Oprah being the first black woman to be awarded the Cecil B. DeMille Award, Get Out didn't win anything. Call Me By Your Name won nothing. Well, they're And about... women were shut out of, you know, right. a lot of the, the storytelling awards in general. Natalie Portman had that moment where she Oof. highlighted oh my the God. fact that Best Director was all male nominees. With that step back in the stare. She like, knew what she was doing. She practiced that. <laughs> Good for you, Natalie. She should have just literally looked at the camera and winked. I mean, it was so <laughs> arch. It was so extra. It was delish. Guillermo del Toro was shook. He was not Because <laughs> the camera zoomed right to him next because he was the but first good, nominee. But honestly, and he was like... That's the kind of stuff I like, though, because it makes them uncomfortable because they were all uncomfortable and they did all of those cuts of all of the directors. And, you know, they were all just like, yeah, why are you going to say it during my award? And it's like, that's exactly the kind of shit that they need to deal with. And, and they don't the want to do it. And by the way, it's not like shady towards their accomplishments. No, it's not like she was like, and they're all bad directors. Right. You know what I mean? So like when there was backlash against her for allegedly undermining them, it's like, I don't think it undermines them at all. It undermines like the process of this award show and like who typically gets nominated. And it's like, the fact is we do take it for granted that directors are routinely 100% all male nominees. So she was completely in the right. And if it happened any later, I would be disappointed. I'm glad it happened this year. Yeah. 
the Get Out snubs, like you felt it coming. I did not think they were going to win. Well, Get Out and Call Me By Your Name are about minorities with inner lives. Right. So you can't expect people to get them. <laughs> I also, I, you, know, you know, they were press. like, no. you know, they were like, we gave it to Moonlight. Didn't we give you enough? The black people got their awards. But the thing about Get Out, I think that's most frustrating for me is I think that important art should say something relevant about the times that we live in now. And no film of 2017 was more relevant than Get Out. That's actually making commentary about the world that we live in and saying something important. I don't think you have a film that said something more than Get Out. And so not rewarding those, it just feels like we're misunderstanding the point of the art that we're making. We are misunderstanding the point because in contrast, the film with the most awards at the Globes and a film with a lot of nominations last night from the BAFTAs is Three Billboards. And that is a movie by Martin McDonough, who I generally fucking love. You know, I love his plays and I love his previous movies, but the racial elements of Three Billboards are awful <laughs> and they're cliched and they're just overtly sort of just sort right. of racist. And in, 2018, you know? in 2017, to make a movie that is that ham-fisted about race, it's like, you don't care. That's yes. what that's telling me, because you're not engaging with the world that you're living in in a serious way. And I mentioned this in a Daily Beast piece that I wrote. I saw his first American play, A Behanding in Spokane, on Broadway, and it had Anthony Mackie in it, and a character that was pretty similar to his black characters in Three Billboards, and... He didn't sort of learn then, mm -hmm. and he's sort of doing the same thing, and I guess now it's just, he can, can get away with it. This thing, you know? this movie to me almost feels like the pitch for it could have been potentially like interesting or like relevant or it insightful. It of the moment. That's it's a, a woman wanting justice for her raped and murdered daughter. Precisely. And then when you watch the movie, it's like they lose control immediately. She gets to be violent for no reason and with no repercussions. It's like, this says several times, the opposite of what you want it to and it's weird <laughs> that people don't see that I, it's frustrating me, and it's also i'm also frustrated on twitter by the amount of people who are like i'm already sick of the backlash against three billboards it's like i'm not this movie sucks <laughs> also award season just started right. you better buckle up five seconds right <laughs> ask la la land about backlash okay <laughs> <laughs> smoking with its aunt in paris i'll tell you about backlash champagne does it by itself after these ads keep it we'll be right back as a chef and a restaurant owner, I'm as meticulous about my cookware as I am about my ingredients. That's why I love Made In Cookware. Each pan they make isn't just designed to perform, it's crafted to last. As a mom, I love that I can trust Made In. It's made from the world's finest materials, so I can feel good about what I'm feeding my family. I'm Chef Brooke Williamson, and I use Made In Cookware. Keep It is brought to you by Barefoot Dreams. Lewis? Yes? When you see... Footprints in the sand. That was when I carried you in my barefoot dreams rub. Now, is that a Leona Lewis song? <laughs> no? Uh, if you want to bring coziness into your life, you turn to Barefoot Dreams, especially now as the brand is celebrating their 30th anniversary. With those 30 years of coziness, Barefoot Dreams celebrates being the originators of everyone's favorite luxe home blanket. And while many have attempted to duplicate their blankets, robes, and more, Barefoot Dreams' fabrication and quality cannot be replicated, so don't believe the dupes. Girl, this blanket is it. I 
effing love this blanket. I'm thinking about it right now, and I want to jump in my bed, which is sponsored by something that we'll do another ad for momentarily. Get ready. There's a reason why Barefoot Dreams has been on Oprah's favorite things list six times. Jesus, get a life, Oprah. My God. <laughs> Dressing head to toe in Barefoot Dreams is the key to comfort as their collection of ultra soft robes, loungewear, and accessories are made with premium materials. Their products make the perfect gifts, too. Uh, I throw this thing on. I wear it like a shawl. I look exactly like Ellen Burstyn. And <laughs> I am the coziest a human being can be. Because by the way, it's still that time in Los Angeles where it's like pretty mild outside and then your apartment is cold. I can't explain mm. it. I don't know things like basic science. For Keep It listeners, you can get 15% off your first purchase at barefootdreams.com with the code KEEPIT15. Don't miss out on Barefoot Dreams soft, soothing fabrics that will bring luxury to your life. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of blackness from NPR and how I live my life every day. Oh, I'm glad to bear witness to it. <laughs> Each of NPR's black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of a struggle. It sounds like you at Coachella. I'm already tuned in. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be black today, told from a unique black perspective, from Bobby Shmurda to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations. There's no limit to the range of black stories, black truths. Black perspectives have always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center black voices. It's NPR Noir. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as very nuanced and black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be about us without us. Doesn't the black experience sound like a three-disc Prince album we never got? Someone check the vault, please. <laughs> Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back with the biggest moment of the Golden Globes telecast. It was Oprah being awarded the Cecil B. DeMille Award. She was the first black woman to ever be presented this award. And she gave such a beautiful, galvanizing speech about social justice and how we can inspire one another in America. She began with talking about how Sydney Poitier getting the award when she was young inspired her. She hoped that she was inspiring young girls in America who were watching her get that award. She brought up a touching, emotional story about Reese Taylor, who died recently, a black girl who was raped by several white men in the South, and the NAACP sort of took the forefront of trying to get justice for her that was led by a woman named Rosa Parks. It was a beautiful speech that sort of brought up American history and tied it to the current movement. And I think it was, you know, a beautiful sort of crescendo to the Time's Up Me Too conversation that was happening at the Globes. However, <laughs> all of that was forgotten as soon as her speech was over because social media and Meryl Streep and every Stedman. news Stedman and every single other newscaster was like, oh, Oprah needs to run for president. Here's the thing. When Oprah talks, she does feel presidential, right? She has that like orator vibe. So She's it's maybe the best, honestly, speaker alive. To to and she like comes arguably. from like a speech team background. And you yes. can tell because that is competitive work right there. <laughs> but it sort of feels a little bit like people 
complimenting themselves for liking Oprah. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I love her so much, she should be the president. It's like, guys, we all like Oprah. I mean, like, what problem can you possibly have with, like, I don't love Dr. Phil so much, but I still love Oprah. You know what I mean? So it's like... I love uh, Amazon next day delivery. I don't need it to be president. Exactly. <laughs> That's, like, the moral of the story. You're like, you're like Aesop. Um, the fact is... That speech made me miss her show. I wish she had like a platform to do that regularly. I mean, I don't really need her holding peace talks, you know, in the Middle East or whatever. The thing that made me most irritated was, okay, you're making the Oprah 2020 jokes. And first they're kind of jokes and then some people are serious. And then you have people who got very serious in responding why she shouldn't be president. And it's like, calm down. First of all, we like 2018, we are just getting started. We have a lot of shit to do at the end of the year. Like 2020 feels like something we should not even be focusing on right now anyway. But then you're now going to dice. It's like dissecting why Oprah shouldn't be president. It's like, yes, we probably don't need another person with literally no experience governing being president. But then it sort of becomes you knocking down Oprah's goddamn laundry list of achievements. Like you're not going to sit here and tell me an, an actual self-made billionaire is unqualified for something. Like, that's a dumb conversation. It's not a helpful conversation. And, like, Oprah's incredible. Why would you sit around writing about any way that she's not incredible? So I want to congratulate you for coming on my show and subtweeting my Daily Beast article, Why Oprah (laughs) Should Not Run for President. (laughs) The gall and the audacity. (laughs) But yours was not, like... True. Yours was not, like... People got mad about this. I did not attack Oprah's accomplishments. No. My... You would never. Never. My main point of contention was the fact that so many people kept saying the only way to beat Donald Trump is if we fight fire with fire and, you know, have another celebrity run because the game has changed. Mm -hmm. And I just find that incredibly nihilistic, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, the idea that Trump has changed our political system forever sounds so pessimistic like we're only electing celebrities right it's like we can go back to electing people who are doing good work in their communities people with good political backgrounds like we don't need to like elect oprah to beat donald trump because then it's like who will they bring out to like defeat her and then it's like a back and forth (laughs) of like the most famous liberals and republicans fighting one another that was the part that you know sort of set me off right. um also the fact of you know what you said lewis about like i don't need oprah doing like middle east peace talks it's like i don't need oprah doing sort of the dirty work that comes with having to be a president yeah. i don't you know i think when a lot of people are like i want oprah to be president they think about the aspects of Barack's presidency that they loved, right. you know, like mm-hmm. seeing him and Michelle just looking fine on a daily basis, you know, hearing speeches where, you know, like they were really moved. They don't really think about him in that room, like killing Osama bin Laden, you know, and, and they don't think about Oprah having to do stuff like that or like having to decide how much they pay on their taxes. People love Oprah. But the minute she becomes president, you are not going to get a Pontiac delivered to your door. (laughs) I mean, also a question no one seems to be asking is, who has a better life than Oprah? I mean, my God, like she's out there picking her vegetables in that garden. She can literally call anyone on Earth and be like, come 
and they and they show up and they just show up. Her life is incredible. The idea that she would want to leave that to be being president sounds so shitty. Why on earth do you think Oprah would want to do that for a bunch of people who weren't grateful when they had a president who actually gave a shit about them? Like this is not her job. Her life is already great. She I guarantee she does not care about us enough to give up the life she has because I know for damn sure I would not. Oprah also, has a fucking day room where she only goes to read the New York Times. Please. Like, <laughs> that is not going to exist in the White House. And you know people would be dragging the fuck out of her if she were constantly leaving the White House to go back to her home the way that Trump always goes to that sinking haunted house in the Florida swamp. I need her to keep hosting things like Oprah's Legends Ball because we need like reasons to give like for like Cicely Tyson to wear a fascinator. Okay. You know yeah. what I mean? Like we the need brunches, like events from her. Precisely. The Santa Barbara brunches. That's that's what we need more of. And also it's like to like throw her into the ring this way as like a response in some like celebrity president prank war. It's like, <laughs> are you sure you care about Oprah if you want to make her do that? You know, it's like, cause I love Oprah. I know she's useful doing what she's doing now. I also wonder if we're just so starved for competency right. that people are like, oh my God, look, an adult who seems sane gave a good <laughs> speech. They clearly should be our leader. Like, I think we're all rightfully so we're tired and we just are clinging to anything that seems like good news and clinging to people who seem like they might help us and be competent and i feel like the oprah thing is just like i mean i don't know guys we don't got anything else maybe it can be oprah maybe it can right. be oprah. i think meryl streep is just like trolling people's weddings and like if she hears a really good best man speech she's like you need to run for president <laughs> you have no choice because she was the first person from the job being like oprah has to run right oprah has to run so like stedman had also said i don't know she's thinking about it and then gail rolled up the next morning like this bitch ain't whatever president. <laughs> like, <laughs> the Gail, the only person who I actually believe would know the truth. Right. Like, I believe that she didn't tell Stedman. Stedman was just like guessing or he overheard. And Gail was like, please, please. Also, Stedman has enjoyed a very lovely sort of life where we really don't know a lot about him. Truly, does, does he, he have a speaking voice? Does he want <laughs> Oprah right? to run for president? <laughs> And for Fox News to be airing all of his business 24-7 on their channel? He just wants to live in that house and enjoy his life and be Oprah's rock, which sounds, that sounds like a lot of work. Um, He's got enough on his hands. No, one day we're going to find out that Stedman Graham is just like an anagram for like, let Oprah do her thing. You know what I mean? Just, <laughs> just, just He exists to make us all believe Oprah lives a very pacific life. <laughs> of course, the Oprah news finally managed to reach the current resident of the White House. And he was asked about whether or not he could beat Oprah in an election. Help me. Here was his response. Hey, can, can you beat Oprah, by the way? Yeah, I'll beat Oprah. Oprah would be a lot of fun. I know her very well. You know, I did one of her last shows. She had Donald Trump. This is before politics. Her last week. And she had Donald Trump, and my family was very nice. No, I like Oprah. I don't think she's going to run. He literally is just talking like one of the pigs in Animal Farm. I mean, just fully third-person monster. <laughs> she had my family on her show. It's like it's not even... No one watched it. I mean, you know what made me more angry was Ivanka tweeting. She linked to Oprah's speech and was like, oh, it's so great. And use the damn Time's Up hashtag. I was like, you are out of your mind. Time's up for your family, girl. And time's she, up for the Ivanka clothing line. Time is up for your husband. 
it's one of those things where you're like, are you delusional or are you that cunning? And do you really think that that might work? I have to tell you, it feels to me like she might be a cunning, complete asshole. And because it's like she she's just doing this veneer of like, I work at the Banana Republic. What could be wrong with me? That whole vibe. <laughs> I think she knows exactly what's going on. Furthermore, she literally called her that speech empowering. And it's like you have been given unprecedented power through an abuse of power. And we're supposed to care that you feel empowered. Disgusting. I think. And Oprah doesn't like you. <laughs> yeah. Imagine her liking you, idiot. <laughs> Also, the entire concept of Trump being like Oprah would be fun to like run against. Like, I don't want to go through the circus again. Yeah, I don't find anything fun. Also, you about didn't. He didn't have fun doing that. Also, he didn't even beat Hillary Clinton. If, if we're <laughs> if we're being realistic, you know, he lost by three million votes, and I really don't think the electoral college is going to hand an election to him over Oprah. And they we don't deserve car. that. They want a new car. Yeah. Precisely. We don't deserve we don't deserve that. We, like we've been through enough. I honestly believe that we don't deserve an Oprah Donald Trump election. All right, you two. This is the moment that everyone has been waiting for. The name of the show is Keep It, and this is when we're gonna decide what we're keeping this week. As a reminder, keep it is a simple catchphrase that is a polite way of saying fuck off. <laughs> so uh, why don't we start with you, Kara? So my keep it this week is Greta Gerwig, who after... Harsh, uh, harsh. I know. I know. Even Going harsher in. because I am wearing a He's Greta wearing Gerwig a, shirt. Right now, but I'm doing it anyway. <laughs> She, after the Golden Globe, she was backstage and she was asked a question about working with Woody Allen. And she basically breathed out of her mouth for 30 seconds. She she spoke words, but they meant nothing. And I just feel, one, you know that this question is coming. And the other thing that irritates me about that is it is not to say that we shouldn't be shaming people for working with Woody Allen, but no one's career thus far has been ruined for working with Woody Allen. So you saying, hey, I look back now and realize that that was a mistake. You're going to be fine. No one's going to care. Like it's a real low risk person to go after and to throw under the bus or to admit was a mistake. And the idea that she couldn't even just say, you know what, I'm sorry. It was a point in my career where I was looking for opportunities and I didn't think about his victims or I was looking for opportunities so that I could become more powerful in Hollywood and not hire men like Woody Allen and not have to work with men like Woody Allen. Like, girl, there were so many ways for you to say something even borderline coherent to get out of that question. And and she's standing there in the damn black dress with the pin. And it just was super lame. And it makes me question how much you actually care about the issue you're saying that you care about. Also, there's no going back after Ellen Page being like, you know what? I worked with him and I regret it. I mean, it's, it's just not so that easy. hard. It's, it's just so, not that it's hard. It's so easy and it, it's not going to hurt you. And so, which is not to say that I don't think that people should be, I don't think that there shouldn't be repercussions, but in this particular instance, it's not even going to hurt you to just say like it was a mistake. Particularly since you are a woman who has a, film that a lot of people love and you know you're in the middle of award season and just this whole narrative of a female written and directed film you know right. it that seems like the perfect time for you to be like yo you know what fuck Woody Allen right you know and I'm surprised that more people after Ellen Page didn't come out and say 
yo, I'm disappointed, you know? Like, I remember Selena Gomez was asked about filming his current movie with Timothy Chalamet, who, you know, that keeps souring my whole, like, wanting him to win for Call Me By Your Name because uh, he's so great in it. But I'm like, why are you doing this movie? Like, why are you kids doing this movie? And I remember Selena being like, oh, you know, that's a interesting question. You know, the Harvey Weinstein stuff started happening, you know, during the filming of the movie. And I'm like, girl, like, sexual assault didn't get invented with right. Harvey Weinstein, you know? Like, it, people have been talking about Woody Allen for a minute. Yeah. Like, tell your momager that it's not a good look. <laughs> it just, it feels it feels lazy because you know that this question is coming and you don't seem to care enough to have a response. And I thought that was super lame and I hope that she gets her shit together and says something that actually makes any human sense. Also, there's like so much information about Woody Allen's creepiness out now, like in a way where we almost don't even talk about all of it all of the time. So it's like, it's particularly insane that you can't just be like yeah something's the matter with this i mean just that there's uh, the volume of something is the matter here is disgusting woody allen's basically sort of like the contract that comes when you get like a new apple product like you can't even read it all <laughs> right you just scroll <laughs> yes. to the end and press yes he's a creep <laughs> lewis what are you keeping this week okay my keep it this week is affectionate i promise to be meaner in the future my keep it goes to jimmy kimmel and i'll tell you why he had Meryl Streep on his show, who was an actress. And he did this fun game with her where he was like, Meryl, you've been nominated for 20 Oscars. Can you name them? Okay, now let me just say something. We only have one Meryl Streep. We need to be doing stunts like this with her all the time. This is, like, <laughs> this is what I'm on earth for, etc. So Meryl, of course, is like dumbfounded and is trying to name her nominations. And because she's shocked she's Meryl Streep also, can't do it, right? Anyway, she's going down the nominations and she gets to a cry in the dark. Jimmy goes, that's not one of them. What happened was, I'll tell you what happened. This is gay intel right here. <laughs> he was using the IMDb list where the name of that movie is Evil Angels, which is the Australian name for that movie. It's an Australian movie. And he didn't understand that. I'm just going to say this. If you're going to pull something like this with Meryl Streep, you better get that gay cred up. You better know the nominations because Meryl Streep is indulging you right now and we don't have that much time with her. So I'm just saying, if you're going to like put egg on her face... You better be qualified to do it, because by the way, some of us can name all of twenty, all twenty of her <laughs> nominations in probably thirty seconds. Do it now. Really? Y'all ready seconds. for this? All right, here I go. I'll do it. All right. Dear Hunter, Kramer versus Kramer, French Lieutenant's Woman, Sophie's Choice, Silkwood, Out of Africa, Ironweed, A Cry in the Dark, Postcards from the Edge, uh, Bridge, Bridges of Madison County, One True Thing, Music of the Heart, Adaptation, The Devil Wears Prada, Doubt, Julie and Julia. Uh, the Iron Lady, August Osage County, the uh, 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 in, uh, 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 Into the Woods, and Florence Foster Jenkins. Oh my God! <laughs> <laughs> no phone, no laptop. He doesn't have a phone, guys. He just knew that. <laughs> Kara is clapping, and she is very excited, I'm, and I'm, so is everyone else in the studio because none. Did of I them... say Ironweed? I meant to. Yes, because okay. none of them have been at a gay party with. Clearly. <laughs> I will be now, damn. He does this every week. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Usually there are tips. <laughs> uh, so to close it out, my keep it is something very recent. It just happened. Lena Dunham took a photo with the Time's Up crew, um, you know, when everyone was promoting it during the Golden Globes. And Tessa Thompson, a goddess, you know, tweeted... Girl, why are you there? You didn't even do any work. <laughs> um, 
later, she issued an apology um, for, you know, calling out a woman um, and, you know, quote unquote, censoring herself. Um, and, you know, she wants to make, you know, time's up very positive and not, you know, have any holleration in the <laughs> dancery. I will say that I know why people give these sort of apologies in Hollywood. You know, their publicist gives them a call and they're like, how about you type this up? Or better yet, <laughs> I typed this up, tweeted out. But the fact that Tessa had to apologize to Lena was wild to me. Mostly because the nerve of Lena Dunham, a woman who I actually try to support from time to time, you know, because like I appreciate her work as an artist, but she is constantly putting her foot in her mouth and doing something dumb like this Time's Up photo. You know, she only weeks ago defended a writer on the staff of her show saying that she believed him when um, Aurora Perinal came out and said that this man sexually assaulted and raped her. She, along with her um, co-writer and co-producer, Jenny Conner, came out, tweeted, I believe my friend. And multiple other people did that in the industry, and they said that they had, quote-unquote, inside knowledge about the situation that made them believe that their friend was telling the truth. They believed that Aurora, you know, tried to ask for money so that she could keep her mouth quiet. It came out later that the story was completely false. Crazy. And Lena had to apologize, and she got dragged on Twitter. So I just want to know how you can do that and then have the nerve to be in a Time's Up photo yeah. that Aurora is not in. Doesn't, She's the one who should be censored right. in this moment. Doesn't Lena get tired of apologizing? That is my only thing to contribute to this. I just feel like, <laughs> isn't this girl tired of having to apologize? If I had to apologize that much, I I just feel like I, maybe she likes it. Maybe I that's think it, it fills her with endorphins. It's like Gatorade. It must for her. be because it just seems like Lena Dunham is the Jax Taylor of Hollywood. <laughs> she, <laughs> is. she is. Now I I feel bad that Tessa felt like she had to apologize because it doesn't seem like she said anything incorrect. And I think that Lena Dunham is of anyone in Hollywood, for better or worse, is used to criticism. And I feel like she could have taken it. And I feel like if Tessa had said something factual, she was not dragging her. She was not being malicious. She was not being mean. If she said something factual, Lena Dunham should, you know, be an adult enough to just say, like, that's what it was. And I would have preferred you not done that. But I understand that what you said was true. Notice she said she was sorry, but she did say she was wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That was, yeah, Tessa Thompson, it was it was a cutting comment. It wasn't like lacerating. It wasn't like, and Lena Dunham will never recover or whatever, right. you know. And you know Lena will be fine. It was like the 50,000th time she's apologized. All she, she is like, is fine. fine. She's <laughs> starring in four billboards. <laughs> <laughs> and that's our show. I want to thank Lewis and Kara for being here uh, to help me kick off the inaugural episode of Keep It. You're very welcome. <laughs> you're, you're welcome for now. <laughs> um, Kara, tell people where they can find you. You can find me at Kara R. Brown on Twitter and Instagram, though I am better on Twitter. 
Lewis. Wow, I feel very seen. Me too. Mm-hmm. I'm at Lewis Vertel on Twitter and Instagram, but honestly, just do Twitter. That's where I keep the jokes. All right. Well, follow them. Don't follow them. I don't really care as long as you subscribe and rate. Keep it on iTunes, Spotify, wherever the fuck you get your podcasts. This is our show. We'll see you next week. As a chef and a restaurant owner, I'm as meticulous about my cookware as I am about my ingredients. That's why I love Made in Cookware. Each pan they make isn't just designed to perform, it's crafted to last. As a mom, I love that I can trust Made in. It's made from the world's finest materials, so I can feel good about what I'm feeding my family. I'm Chef Brooke Williamson, and I use Made in Cookware. Shop chef-quality pots and pans at madeincookware.com. When it comes to scents, you should pick ones that smell like, well, you. Target gets it which is why they offer a range of personal care products with fragrances for everyone. Be true to floral you with Dove Peony and Rose Body Wash. Live your fresh life with Degree Ultra Clear Deodorant. Express your decadent side with Love Beauty and Planet Coconut Shampoo. This spring, choose care that brings you joy beyond labels. Pick up new favorites at a Target near you or online at Target.com.